Good afternoon to you. Welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Hope I find you well. It has been another glorious day here in the northwest of the UK. It's me and you tonight. Lots to talk about as usual. Get in touch via the usual well ways. Send me a message via the Richie Allen Show app or message me via the website richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Ah, sure, it is myself, isn't it? It is myself. Who's in it? Who else would it be? Yes, we have a lovely app. It's uh, available on Google Play, available on the App Store. You can message the studio in a matter of a microsecond with an opinion or two or three for me. I'll be thrilled to hear from you. It makes the programme. RichieAllen.co.u live comment. RichieAllen.co.uk live comment. And the website has been pretty busy. Some interesting articles on the website today and yesterday. And I'll be talking about some of those articles, so I will, this evening on the programme. I I will. With you till 7 o'clock. Just me. Just you. Yes, I have put on Facebook, I have placed on Facebook and on Twitter a little photograph, a silly photograph. Very soon, this will be available in video. Live. Okay. It'll be next week. It will happen. I know I promised it some considerable time ago, but it will happen. And it's it's at a cost, this. So what I will say is, if it doesn't get a lot of take-up in the early weeks, I'll drop it and we will be exclusively audio. You get what I'm saying? Like, like if we see it's only got 40 or 50 or 60 people watching it, we will ditch it and continue with the radio, which is my preference in any case. But look, we'll give it a go. It should be a bit of fun. And it'll be available on Rumble for sure, and maybe on Twitter as well. So long as we all believe Elon Musk's bullshit, that Twitter is now a free speech platform, which it isn't really. But we'll play along with it, and we might stream on Twitter, just to to see how far we go with it. So video streaming next week, it won't make any difference whatsoever to the radio show as it is. You will be able to listen through the app, through the website. You will be able to download the podcast in glorious audio. Nothing will change except for if you feel like it at five o'clock that you want to watch my grotesquely ugly countenance. Do you like that bit of Shakespeare there, countenance? If you want to look at it, I'm beautiful in the flesh, by the way. It's just that I'm not photogenic. I'm actually gorgeous. People say to me all the time when they pass me on the street, I don't know who you are, but you are gorgeous. And I tell them it's amazing because when I'm on film or when I take a photograph of myself, I'm an ugly bastard. I don't know what it is, but in real life, I'm basically irresistible. Yeah, my nose has grown four and a half feet now and it's poking the window at the other uh, other side of the studio. That's the one. Good evening, Jacob. Thanks for your very long message. I really appreciate it. Hi to Les. Hi, Les. He's been listening to the show for about three years. Absolutely a not-to-miss show. He says, if only you wasn't a Man United supporter, lol. 
which means laugh out loud. It is squeaky bum time, squeaky bum time for Manchester United fans. Squeaky bum is a term I think I first heard it coming from the mouth of Alex Ferguson, sir, if you please, but he probably didn't invent it. Squeaky bum is when you're a bit nervous, squeaky bum. Liverpool are coming up on the outside. The Premier League is like the Grand National. It's a it's a long-distance race, not a sprint. United are in fourth. Newcastle United are in third. Liverpool are behind us. We have a game in hand, but they're only one point behind squeaky bum. They thumped Leicester last night at the King Power. Anyway, you didn't come here for sports analysis. I know you didn't. So I'll stop with the sports analysis, right? Hey, listen, the BBC, the British Bullshit Corporation, has found a brand new vulnerable group. Now, this is a sport. Finding vulnerable groups and new identity groups is a sport. It's a, it's a participation sport. The participants are usually the media and politicians, governments. They look to find vulnerable groups, brand new vulnerable groups, groups that need protection, groups that we have got to engage with. People that we ordinarily didn't care one way or another about, but now we have to engage. A new community, a new group that faces discrimination. And speaking about this new group is taboo. What could I possibly be talking about? Let's listen to Nikki Campbell, BBC Radio 5 Live. Um, so, it's a difficult topic, this. I'm, I'm... Difficult? I'm so interested. But he's really interested in it. In hearing about it, I... We're going to talk about incontinence and our own... He's going to talk about incontinence. Incontinence. Overarching question is, can we talk about incontinence? Can we talk about incontinence, please? So sensitive. Um, Very sensitive subject, this. Understandably. um, Women's incontinence is thought to affect millions of people in the UK. Millions of people in the UK. Women's incontinence. Millions. Maybe yourself. Um, The TOWIE star Gemma Collins has brought this this to the fore she's been well if Gemma Collins says it it must be true been talking about it she says it's a subject we need to be more open about she's fronting this campaign uh, that aims to help women overcome any embarrassment they may feel talking about it and it's it's great when we why would women want to talk about it? challenge taboos um, it is a taboo subject. It's a taboo subject. So it's incontinence. The incontinence community. There is a new group, vulnerable group, we need to talk about. It's the inton- incontinence, incontinent. How do you say it? Would you say the incontinent community or the incontinence community? Making wee-wee uncontrollably. Uh, Gemma Collins, we'll come back to her in a moment. First, Nikki Campbell will give us the entire range of urinary incontinence because it's a bloody complicated subject. This, right, Nikki? <laughs> This is the entire spectrum of urinary incontinence as brought to you by the BBC. Thank God I've never had a licence and never will. Urinary incontinence, uh, uh, the unintentional passing of urine. Right. Common problem um, thought to affect millions of people. There are several types of urinary incontinence, including stress incontinence, when urine leaks out at times when your bladder is under pressure, when you cough, when you laugh. Uh, urge incontinence, when urine leaks as you feel a sudden in Tense urge to pee or soon afterwards. Overflow incontinence. Overflow incontinence, eh? That's chronic urinary retention when you're unable to fully empty your bladder, which causes uh, frequent leaking. Jesus. And total incontinence. Total incontinence. All of the above, presumably. It's when your bladder cannot store any urine at all, which causes you to pass urine constantly or have frequent 
leaking and it's obviously possible to have a, a combination of those. All of the above, right. It's time to talk incontinence with Gemma Collins. It's a taboo subject and women were phoning in this programme today to talk about how they were discriminated against because of their incontinence. Therefore, we have a new vulnerable group, Gemma Collins. Let's hear um, what uh, Gemma Collins, um, who's fronting this campaign, let's uh, let's hear and uh, and see, I think, what she... Let's hope we don't see it now. ...has said about this. Women's leaks, incontinence is still very taboo and one in three women are struggling with it. So I couldn't believe it. I was on a trampoline, you know, although I'm 42, I still think I'm 21. Um, and, and, and about 30 stone. And I was on... And, you know, like with your mums and your aunties, you've always heard growing up, oh, my God, I need a pad, I've got leaks. And you're like, oh, I will never get to that stage in my life. Well, honeys, it's happening. And I got on a trampoline with my nephew, Hayden, and I was having a great time. And literally, I was laughing, I was jumping, and the leak just started happening. And I was like... I'm officially old, all jokes aside. No, it's nothing to do with age. So many women get it. One in three are suffering from it. Would I have stopped jumping on the trampoline? Hell no. Why should you? Why should you stop jumping on the trampoline with your wee-wee spraying out all over the place? Why should you stop? Would I have stopped jumping on the trampoline? Hell no. Absolutely not. Drenching the trampoline and everyone standing around it hit the vicar right in the face, but he was delighted. But fact, if I'm not going to have fun, in fact, tomorrow I'm going to wear a mini skirt with no knickers underneath, get a train to Blackpool, drink a 12-pack of Stella on the way and sit in the front of the roller coaster with my legs spread open. More from Gemma. This is real. This is not a parody. And it is really sad to know um, that women are stopping doing their activities. They might not want to go on holiday now because of their leaks. They might not not want to get on the trampoline with their children or their families. Women all over the world cannot get on the trampoline with their families because of incontinence. We have to talk about it. Because of the leaks. Nothing's ever going to stop me from doing anything in my life. But why are women <laughs> so embarrassed to talk about it still? Yeah, this is the thing, you see. Why talk about it? Why? He had a procession of women who came on and said that they'd been discriminated against because of being incontinent, honestly. That conversations had to be had. But um, fuck off, like. I mean, act accordingly. I don't care what did your aunts and grandmothers and great-grandmothers do. They just got on with it, didn't they? They either wore a nappy or they were a bit careful about it. Weren't they? they carried on. Why do people have to externalise every aspect of the human experience? Why do I have to be included in your incontinence experiences? I mean, just keep yourself dry, carry a fresh pair of knickers in your handbag and shut the fuck up about it. I mean, it's life. We don't have to have group sessions for every aspect of life, do we? We don't have to have a vulnerable group or, or a community for every aspect of life, for every characteristic. But seemingly, you do. I mean, that's crazy. You know, the vulnerable groups are getting more and more exotic. And the communities... Now you've got the incontinent or the incontinence community and we just have to talk about it. But I'd kind of prefer we didn't talk about it. I'm not interested in people, you know, pissing in their knickers or in their underpants. I'm just not interested in it. When it happens to me, and inevitably it will happen to me, I'll just carry on, you know, stoically. Like an English gentleman, even though I'm not English. Um, thank God. And um, we'll carry on with it. It's 11 minutes past the hour. Mad stuff. That's what you pay your licence fee for today. 
Right, um, let's talk about some more serious things. Or maybe not, because I have an awful lot of content for you here today. But um, listen, artificial intelligence is being discussed today in Congress, US Congress, that is, the boss of ChatGPT, the chief executive of OpenAI, Sam Altman, is facing questions about artificial intelligence at a hearing in the US Senate, right? Altman has told the Senate this afternoon that his industry does need to be regulated by the government because AI is becoming increasingly powerful. Okay, and they're talking about the 2024 election. Will artificial intelligence and bots be used to manipulate the electorate when the election comes around in the United States next year? So that's going on at the moment. If there's anything that, that comes out of that, if there's a bit of audio, we might listen to. I'll bring it to you between now and 7 o'clock. But I'm not following that live as it happens right now because I'm talking with you. But AI is in the news. In fact, the actor Tom Hanks, who got an honourable mention on this programme yesterday because of his performance in Philadelphia, he has raised the prospect of his career continuing after he dies through artificial intelligence technology. Uh, Hanks, of course, who was in Forrest Gump, he was in Cast Away, he was in The Money Pit, which was a funny film many years ago. He said the tech could be used to recreate his image, ensuring he continued to appear in films from now until the end of time. He sounds excited about this, does Tom Hanks, right? Now, this... Um, was also picked up this topic by the Pet Shop Boys, Neil Tennant, and he said that AI could be used by musicians to complete songs, probably better than most of what the Pet Shop Boys came up with. But it's an interesting one, and I thought about this today. Do you think, and your opinion, of course, very important to me, that actors might get lazy, like in the future? I have been on two film sets, and it's laborious. It's tedious. It's tough work. Like, we, we, we laugh, you know, film stars get paid 15, 20, 25 million dollars for a film, but that's at the very high end. Most people don't get that money. And filming is tedious. It is shooting scenes over and over and over again from different angles. It's waiting in the lobby or the trailer, if you're lucky to have one, sitting around biding your time before you get called back. Imagine actors, the famous ones now, got fed up of that and said, well, we don't actually physically have to appear in the film we will license you, or I will license you, my image and my voice. So take my image and my voice and use it to sell, to create a character for your new film and then send me a check for a million dollars. That's actually not beyond, you know, a possibility. That's something that might actually happen. And the news media went crazy today. Speaking of artificial intelligence and airbrushing and all of that. I know those are two separate things entirely. But with artificial intelligence, presumably airbrushing becomes a bit easier. Martha Stewart has become the oldest ever cover model for Sports Illustrated's annual swimsuit edition. She's 81 years old. She's a businesswoman, presenter, Martha Stewart. She was one of four cover models chosen for the issue. Brooke Snader and Megan Fox were among the others. She was photographed in swimsuits in the Dominican Republic, was Martha Stewart. She was delighted about that. Um, they must have airbrushed the bejesus out of it, surely. I haven't seen it myself. And the village people have repeated a demand that former US President Donald Trump stops using the group's music at rallies and stops dancing along. 
they sent, the village people did, a cease and desist letter to Trump on Monday, yesterday, threatening legal action because a costume-clad tribute band played at his Mar-a-Lago resort and they've been playing the song Macho Man and other village people songs without permission. And the lead singer of the village people is Victor Willis. His wife, Karen, um, has written the letter and she said to Trump's lawyers that these performances violate federal trademark law by confusing consumers who might think that the Tribute Act was in fact the real village people and that therefore the village people are in support of or they do support Donald Trump. So they've sent a cease and desist letter. Don't panic, I have no intention of playing any village people music on Tuesday's Richie Allen show. There you go. The... uh, Village people said that the performance continues to cause public confusion as to why the village people would would engage in a performance for for Donald Trump. Yes, now this is a little bit more serious. Before we get very serious, the Irish government is planning to introduce legislation which would see car parking banned in certain buildings to help reduce CO2 emissions. Now, 15-minute cities here in London in the UK more more widely, we've discussed that on this particular programme, right? This is the Great Reset, Agenda 2030. You will own nothing and be happy. You will live within a 15-minute radius of everything. There will be no cash. There will only be digital money and all of that. All of this is being done in lockstep around the world. Ireland wants to reduce its CO2 emissions by 51% in the next seven years, by 2030. And according to the Irish state broadcaster, RTE, the Minister for the Environment and Climate, Eamon Ryan, um, will request, has requested today, approval from the Cabinet for a plan to ensure public sector bodies lead by example on climate change and help to reduce Ireland's emissions by the year 2020. 30, again by 51%. They're calling it the Public Sector Climate Action Mandate 2023. The Public Sector Climate Action Mandate 2023. It envisages the phasing out of the use of parking in buildings where there is access to good transport services or there are mobility sharing options for the majority of staff or visitors. Who gets to determine though? Who gets to determine the quality of the local transport, of the local transport services? Yes, these buildings here cannot have car parking spaces for staff. No, staff cannot drive to work here, or at least not park here, because the local transport is sufficient. Who gets to make that decision? This is tyranny. But you know, when you read it on RTE's news, RTE News' website, when you read it on the BBC website, it's 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 it it reads so benign, I suppose. Not maybe not to you, maybe not to me, but for the majority of people who read it, it's all very benign language. So it's okay. It sounds reasonable to me. Why 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 should you take up space in a building that you could put offices in on the ground floor or something else with, with car parking? Why have car parking when you've got sufficient local transport? It makes sense to me. Well, no, you're imposing upon people. You're you're imposing an ideology on them, and and you're telling them that um, we don't want you driving. So that's in Ireland. Among the other designated tasks of this 
Climate Action Mandate 2023 is they want to get rid of disposable cups, plates and cutlery from public sector canteens or closed facilities, except for those in a clinical or a health setting. So that's what's going on in Ireland. They want to, the, the plan in Ireland wants to end the installation of heating systems, systems that use fossil fuels in new buildings or in renovation or retrofit projects after 2023. So if this goes through, and it will go through, of course, with no opposition, um, no new buildings or no retrofitted buildings will have a heating system which uses fossil fuels. It's all Ireland seems to be on Ireland seems to be the agenda on steroids, doesn't it? At twenty minutes past the hour, shall we stay with Ireland? Then we will stay with Ireland after we uh, hear a tune. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen show. Back with you. We'll talk more about Ireland and immigration in the country in a moment. Yeah, there's a big immigration story in County Clare, which is in Munster, by the way. It's the Richie Allen Show, Tuesday the 16th of May 2023. This is Jimmy Nail and Ain't No Doubt. It's good to be with you. To be with you is very good. She says, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, that's a guilty pleasure, if ever there was a guilty pleasure, Jimmy Nail. It's actually a number one for him, I think, in 1991. Ain't No Doubt She's Lying. Misogyny, casual misogyny. Uh, Trevor says he's pissing himself laughing at Nikki Campbell. I see what you did there, Trevor. Hi to Faisal who says, I suppose Britain isn't in continent of Europe anymore since Brexit. Not sure it stopped the media taking the piss out of it though. It's too good that. Too good. Diane says it makes me think of Little Britain. Scottish John, good evening. Is he taking the piss or what? Elizabeth asks me, am I channeling or am I letting us know that I have a problem? Not yet, Elizabeth, but I probably will. Eventually. Bruce struggles with incontinence. Thanks, Bruce. God love you. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Jenny says, regarding the television or the videoing of the show, she says, just to embarrass you, Richie, you do have lovely eyes. That's the, the that's not even a backhanded compliment. That's so that's lousy. That's like you've got your eyes are just about bearable, Richie, but you're an ugly old bastard. Um, and Patricia, my friend Patricia, says, I will spend the rest of the evening trying to get the visual of a woman peeing on a trampoline out of my head. It's wonderful, isn't it? I realise that I'm leaking through my knickers on a trampoline. Should I do the right thing and jump off lest I pollute everybody else there? Would I have stopped jumping on the trampoline? Hell no. Hell no, no. Absolutely not, like. Why would you like? Uh, good evening to Kelly, who says trampolines cure inconsistence, she says. <laughs> Kelly, I reckon that's a typo. That is a classic case of autocorrect by your phone. Trampolines cure inconsistence, she says. Well, if that's the case, then I might use a trampoline myself because my, my performance on the radio is inconsistent, is it not? But I'll become one of the greatest broadcasters of all time if I start jumping on a trampoline. Uh, Kelly says she means incontinent trampolines cure incontinence I wet myself first time on my trampoline but after a week the muscles tightened up and no longer happens says Kelly uh, yoga is another thing for incontinence you know it's true though isn't it this externalising stuff you know you know give over get on with it like you know your, 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 your aunts your grand 
aunts, your grandmothers. They never complain about it. They, they just get on with it. Um, Ian says, we have been discussing Brexit issues since the Sunday newspaper show you held. What is your opinion now, says Ian? And I don't know what to make of that question. The UK hasn't properly left the European Union and never will. Hi to Max. Thank you, Max. Good to know you're listening to the programme. Really good. Hi to Andy. Try to keep the messages four or five lines long, people. It gives me a chance to read them. Richard says, I heard squeaky bum from the ruined face of Steve Bruce when he managed the mighty Birmingham City. Hi to Mark, who says, you're a proper backstart for playing Ross Abbott yesterday. That's that's the reason I played it. David says, I bet you were pissing your sides, Richie, on the subject of incontinence. Pardon the pun. I was. Don't take the piss out of the incontinence community, says Sean. Boom, boom. And Ray says, what about the people who lost their business in lockdown? Oh, I forgot. They are not a minority. That's an interesting point, uh, Ray. It's a fair point too, isn't it? If we're going to talk about vulnerable groups, let's say that those who had their businesses destroyed were, um, you know, have become vulnerable because of it. And Susan reckons there will be a vaccine for incontinence soon enough. You never know. Uh, Cliff says, your app makes listening live a doddle. It's far easier than trying to access via the website. That's why we did it. Thank you very much. James says he's pissing himself laughing at Nicky Campbell. Thank you. I don't know how Campbell kept a straight face, to be honest, at all. I couldn't have. Let's see. Who else have we got on there? There's so many comments coming in, you know. And some people just send me like 10, 15, 20 comments within a five-minute period. Calm down, dear. Just calm down. It's quant- It's quality, not quantity, you know. Please, please, I ask you. Uh, hi to, um, who's this? Richie. Uh, he said, it's from Richie who says, I suspect Gemma's phone has stopped ringing, quite possibly. Neil, I'm not going to read that out. That's very unkind. Hi to Rob, who says, I know a guy who shits himself after 10 pints of Guinness. Is he now vulnerable? Hi to Alex. Thank you, Alex. And to Isabel, who says, Richie, my friend mentioned today that all new build houses here in the UK are leasehold, not freehold. I was shocked. I didn't get a chance to check it. And I was wondering if the listeners in the know could comment on this to um, give some clarity on this revelation. Are new build houses... Are they uniformly leasehold and not freehold? Does anybody listening to the programme have any idea? Let us know, please. Thank you. Uh, Hi to Darren, who says, I nearly choked on my dinner with laughter when Gemma Collins began began talking. What utter garbage. Thank you, Darren. I better do some stories. I better do some news. I said we'd stay with Ireland and the issue of immigration, which is toxic in Ireland at the moment. And ordinary men and women like you and me, when they go about their daily business and ask some questions and say to their elected representatives, why are you not controlling the amount of people or the numbers of people coming into the country? Because it's having a serious impact on on services. It's having a serious impact on the native population or the population as it stands. What are you doing? You're not building more homes. You know, you're not getting more doctors. You're not getting more schools. So you're making life very difficult. Why are you doing this? People are asking. And in reply, their elected representatives call them names. They gaslight them and tell them that they're racists and little Irelanders and stuff, which is lousy, really, isn't it? Let's have a listen to this. Um, Yesterday evening, around about 34 asylum seekers arrived by bus at a place called Magauna House, which is in the town of Inch, Inch is about eight kilometres from Ennis. It's a great gag, that. 
if you know you're if you're Irish and you know Munster, you'll know it's a great gag. You'll see a sign for inch, and it will say inch, and it will say one mile. Inch is a mile, right? You get it, you get it, you get it. So the town of Inch, which is about eight kilometres from Ennis, County Clare, there is a place called McGowna House. It was empty, and around about 34 asylum seekers arrived by bus. Nothing was said to the locals. After they had arrived, 50 local people blocked both ends of the road leading to the former hotel and restaurant, which has been closed, as I said, since 2019. Now, RTE Radio's Morning Ireland has been covering this story. Uh, Here's their reporter, Peter O'Connell. What happened around McGowna House in Inch in County Clare. Peter. Just after half six last night, the, the bus arrived at Magona. It's a small townland, townland on a fairly narrow road. It's just off the Ennis to Milton Malbar Road and it's uh, located roughly about five miles west of Ennis. Uh, the bus contained approximately 34 asylum seekers. Um, that's actually a figure which has been confirmed by a spokesperson for Minister for Integration, Roger O'Gorman. Just in terms of painting a, a picture of Magona, it's a very rural area, uh, quite quite a narrow road, so narrow that two cars can't pass each other, one of those types of, of, of rural roads. Uh, the nearest shop is about a mile away. Now, local people had known that Magona House had been earmarked as the location for an emergency accommodation centre, but they weren't expecting any asylum seekers to arrive last night. However, uh, as you said, word spread shortly after they arrived and within minutes, the road leading to Magona House was blockaded at both ends. Now, locals were very clear that their aim was to ensure that no further buses carrying asylum seekers would be allowed through. And I suppose one of the clear messages from the residents last night, um, a source of a lot of their anger was the lack of communication. They felt that they were ignored um, in terms of, I suppose, informing them what was happening. Um, now, while the road was blocked at both ends, a number of local people also gathered outside McGowan House, just keeping an eye on the movements of both the new residents and the emergency accommodation centre employees. Peter, tell us just a little bit more about the blockade. What? He's told us enough, hasn't he? He's horrified here, the reporter. She's really stitched him up. Well, he's... Uh, <laughs> I've told you everything, look. Um, uh, as I said, it was at... As I told you already, look. Both ends of this road... Um, and mostly tractors and and cars they were used to completely block access at both entry points uh now at one stage yesterday evening uh mary uh, a pizza delivery man sought to gain access he was trying to deliver pizzas to magona house but he wasn't allowed through he actually tried both ends of the road but didn't get through at least when i was there so so no pizza for the migrants, not even a batter burger and chips for the migrants, not even a portion of scallops. By the way, I reckon Mary had incontinence there, what do you reckon? She, she had to have, that, that's why she bought herself a bit of time by asking him to repeat what he said already. Tell us a bit more about the blockade after he told her everything there was to know about the blockade. So what did the residents then make of all of this in Inch? Morning Ireland's Peter O'Connell, we just heard from him, spoke to two residents. First up, Cahill Nagel. Carl, what's going on? A bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting that today. Um, I know that some of our public representatives planning to talk to the department, so we weren't expecting anybody to arrive today. The council have been out, so again, this was a surprise. Um, a bit of tension around, uh, Carl, quite a number of people and, and the road partially blocked off as well. 
I suppose the lack of communication is all is always going to cause tension. You know, people have to fill the void. I don't think there's any ill will to the to the people that have arrived here today. Um, certainly not. I think we're probably frustrated with the government at this stage. It is eight kilometres to the centre of Ennis from here. You know, you have to travel nearly six kilometres before you find the footpath. So, you know, again, what are these people going to do? How are they going to spend their time? How are they going to be taken care of? Good questions, right? From Cahill, Gwan Cahill, Gwan Cahill, Ma'an Bukel. And then we hear from local woman Sheila Barry. So at about 20 to 7, we saw a bus pulling up outside Magona and refugees got off of the bus with all of their belongings and walked into the hotel to our shock and horror. Um, it was a shock decision considering what we had heard during the day from the council that there was some sort of a stop being put to it at present until we could figure out was the building suitable for a purpose and suitable for these refugees. We're just desperate at the moment. We don't know what to do and it is unsuitable for the people that are actually coming here. They don't realise what they're coming to, the isolation, what they are going to face here and for themselves alone, let alone us, it's just hard to comprehend. It was like a chapter out of an Edgar Allan Poe novel. Refugees got off of the bus with all of their belongings and walked into the hotel to our shock and horror. To our shock and horror. What about the Irish government? What does the Taoiseach Mike Micheál Martin think? Micheál means Michael. What does on Taoiseach Micheál Martin have to say about it? Well, he spoke to News Talk. I don't believe there's a need for the blockades. Uh, um, I, think these are I don't think there's a need for the blockades. Uh, people in themselves who've obviously gone through a difficult journey, uh, those who are seeking asylum in this country, um, and uh, I think overall, our, our, I think County Clare and Ireland um, has been strong in terms of facilitating many, many uh, refugees, uh, both Ukrainian refugees and, and, and uh, asylum seekers more generally. Uh, and I think the dignity of the human being is, is, it always has to be centre in our minds when situations like this arise. Uh, we have to work hard in terms of the communication side of it, in terms of engagement and in terms of clarifying and dealing with any issues uh, or concerns uh, that people may have. Yeah, and then he couldn't resist Micheál Martin on Taoiseach, the Irish Prime Minister, couldn't resist talking about the far right, this mythical far right, which I'm not convinced exists or ever existed in Ireland. There is an element in the country, and this is completely separate to what, what, what's happening here, but there is a far right element who are spreading disinformation. So there's a lot of disinformation, a lot of um, uh, aggress aggression, and negativity. Aren't the reporters abject cowards, aren't they? So when guys like Martin say there's a lot of disinformation, why does the porter not, reporter, excuse me, the porter, why does the reporter, or why doesn't the reporter interject and say, Tishuk, give us an example of the disinformation being spread by the so-called far right? Because I've looked at this and you know my, I don't have any politics now, but my politics used to be socialism or Bolivarian socialism, right? So I would have been open arms, welcome everybody, you know, foolish, not foolish, but silly, I suppose, not giving real thought to, to that policy because that's how you were, you know, you were told we're all, uh, look, I'll come back to that another time. But um, they should interject and stop them and say, which in information are you referring to? Which disinformation or misinformation are you alluding to Taoiseach because he, he can't because the claims being made by the so-called far right in Ireland are legitimate. They stand up to scrutiny. The country has opened its doors to immigration, to mass migration, 
with absolutely no limit whatsoever. The Irish government has not placed a limit on the numbers of people coming in. And while that's going on, while the population is growing exponentially in the country, um, measures are not being taken to accommodate those people. And by those people, excuse me, measures are not being taken to accommodate everybody. You know, the building of infrastructures to cope with all of this. And when the Irish people say, you know, the Irish men and women, the so-called far right say, this is crazy and it is, it is hurting our community and making life difficult for us. He resorts, the Taoiseach, to name-calling them and not engaging with them. He's a, a bit of a shit not to put too fine a point on it. Which is not acceptable, and I think the vast, vast majority of the Irish people have no truck with this. Uh, and um, certainly I think uh, we, we will deal with this uh, in, in a proper way. Um, and in They're going to deal with this in a proper way by passing the most draconian legislation ever dreamt up by an Irish government or any government in the Western world. They're going to criminalise people for thinking that it's not a great idea to allow anybody who chooses to get on a plane, a boat or a train and come to Ireland to make a new life for themselves. And if you think there's something wrong with that, well, they've got plans for you in Ireland. Again, uh, keeping the perspective in mind and doing it intelligently and strategically in terms of countering the far-right narrative, which is something that is far there's no far-right narrative. There isn't a far-right in Ireland. When I was a so-called socialist, I used to be a bit uppity and I used to go looking for a far-right. I could never find it, you know? When I was at uni the first time around in Ireland, full of, um, you know, righteous indignation at everything, as you are when you're a lefty in college. Everything has to be, everything is unjust. You've got to right wrongs everywhere, you little lefty dickhead. That was me. I couldn't find the right. Went looking for it. Couldn't find it. The far right. Anti-immigrants. Couldn't find them. It's a figment of the imagination of people like Kim Mihon Martin. Your comments, please, on this and anything else too. The brand new app. Message me via the app or my website, richieallen.co.uk. The time is 20 minutes now to the top of the hour. Those are taxpayers he's referring to. He's supposed to be a servant of the electorate, irrespective of which party people voted for. And rather than call them names and marginalise them and gaslight them, it's his job to meet with them and ask them what their concerns are. Why are you getting, you know, your knickers in a twist and, and then listen to them? But no, he gets to go on the national media and, and, and insult people and demean them. The salt of the earth, men and women who don't want to be seen to be, um, or, or, or who, 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 who would otherwise help anybody who needs a bit of help, anybody who needs a bit of a leg up. These are decent people. For the most part, you'll get, a, you'll get an arsehole in any group of people. But the majority of these people asking questions about migrants, they have a bit of empathy in their hearts, you know. It's not about the migrants. It's about the policies and where it all ends up. I wonder, are they deliberately trying to drive people to violence? Are they trying to create a situation in the country where people get violent? Is that part of the plan? You see, if you want to turn draconian and dystopian up to 11 on the dial, right? One of the ways to do that is to invoke violence. And then you can scare the population with that. I wonder. Your thoughts again... 
richieallen.co.uk. Download the app for the programme. Listen to the programme there and send a message direct to the studio. It is 18 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. I'm Richie Allen. This is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. So it is. And it's good to be with you. This is Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff and a cover of Tommy Rose Dizzy. I had to think about that, but it was Tommy Rowe. This is Dizzy, Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff. Vic Reeves, the Wonder Stuff, Dizzy on the Richie Allen Radio Show, Tuesday's edition. Thank you, Colin, for the correction. I do feel like a bit of an arse. Michal Martin, of course, isn't the Taoiseach. Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are in coalition aren't they? And Martin got the gig for a bit and then he handed over to Leo Varadkar, the Camp Indian. That's right, he's the Tornister these days. Thanks for that correction, that is important. Lest I look like a complete Egypt. But thank you. Hazy says, my Irish dad, as a teenager, brought his abused mum to England to escape from her abusive husband and to help her hide from him. The Irish have been oppressed, much oppressed by others, says Hazy, and have found refuge in other countries. From understanding my father's life, Irish people have a great understanding of what it's like to be driven from one's own homeland, and this makes them softer towards migrants or immigrants. My own dad had to wait until he was retired to return to his beloved hometown. Thank you for that. And Richard Kelly says, Richie, I'm going to try to be very careful with my words, lest I get into trouble. Michal Martin, you can go fuck yourself, you little weasel bastard. Thank you, Richard. I reckon you won't get any arguments on the live chat today. Jenny says they should remember the dignity of the human being in relation to homeless people. Doesn't sleeping in shop doorways affect a person's dignity? That's correct. But homeless people or Irish homeless people, they don't matter to the Irish government. They never have mattered. No, of course they don't. We have a lot of homeless people in Ireland. And I, as somebody who suffered, not suffered, as somebody who experienced abuse, I know what it can do to you. And a lot of Irish men and women who find themselves on the streets, they're not pissheads. And even if they were, so what? Right? You know, people turn to, or addiction is born out of something, you know, it has its genesis somewhere, right? So you've got people in Ireland who are let down badly by the state, you know, abused by pillars of the state, turned to alcohol and drugs, no support for them. So they end up on the streets and have a life of absolute misery. But the Irish government doesn't give a shit about them. Never has, never will do. But if they were to take some sort of tanning tablet, if such a thing exists... Didn't Rob Lowe take a tanning pill in in Soul Man, the movie, mid-1980s? Take a tanning tablet and change your name to something very exotic sounding and the Irish government will be all over you. And I'll be accused of being right-wing for saying that, but it's the truth. You see, it's the truth. It stands up to scrutiny. It stands up to scrutiny. It's as simple as that. I saw this years ago. You know, people used to phone into a radio show that I produced many years ago. And this was back in my holier-than-thou lefty days. I was never as bad as James O'Brien on LBC. And I wasn't. I wasn't an insufferable little prick. I was an insufferable big prick, to be honest. But um, I was, you know, people would phone in and say, you know, Richie, poor people in this city, you know, poor um, Waterford people, 
they go to the Southeastern Health Health Board. That's where people went. If you were absolutely on your arse, you know, and your benefits weren't covering your needs. And this happens to people. You know, the far, not the far, there's no such thing as the far right. Conservatives will say, ah, oh, you're just lazy. But that's not true. Some people end up on their arse because of circumstances, because of a set of circumstances that overwhelms them. And they need the state to give them a bit of a leg up and give them a few bob. And I'm all for that. Obviously, I would be as an old socialist. And people would phone in and they would say, you know, Richie, you can't go down to the South Eastern Health Board and get a bit of help these days. But if you turn up there, you know, and you've got the hijab on and you've, you've got a pram with you, or if you're from Africa. And I used to think that this was just, you know, casual bigotry. I really did. So I decided, because there is a little bit of a journalist in me. There was back then. There's a lot of it in me now. I'm going to go down there and observe some of this stuff. Nobody knows what I look like. Just going to keep your mouth shut. Went down there. And what I observed was pretty much what people were telling me on the radio. Local people would rock up and it's the most humiliating thing to turn up and go to a window and ask for a few bob because you can't afford to put a pair of shoes on your child's feet. And they turn you upside down, make you humiliate you, make you think you're an idiot, right? Look at you like you're a piece of shite, right? I've seen this happen and I've seen the person from, and we do not blame the person from overseas. We do not because God love them. They've not done anything wrong. But I've seen the experience of somebody asking for help, an indigenous person and the migrant. God, it was a different kettle of fish altogether. Migrant rocked up, whatever you want. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but it was far easier. And we reported on that. So we did back then. This is your Richie Allen Show. Keep the um, comments coming in through the website, through the app. I appreciate it. Donald says, I wonder would closed car parks be used to accommodate the immigrants that are being taken in by the authorities in Ireland? That's an interesting one. I mentioned on the programme a little bit earlier on that to save the planet and to reduce Ireland's CO2 emissions by 51% by the end of this decade... The Irish government wants to remove car parks from certain buildings in the country to encourage people to take local transport and not take their cars. That's very good, Donald. I'm not saying that's right, of course, because I don't know. But it's an interesting perspective on all of that. Tuesday's programme. Where am I off to? I'm off my bloody head. It's nine minutes to the top of the hour. So Rishi Sunak then hosted a food summit at Downing Street today. Did you read or hear about this? It He called it Farm to Fork Conference, Farm to Fork. And he met with supermarket bosses, industry chiefs and Whitehall officials. Right, we have a food crisis, we have a prices crisis. There is a crisis, food prices on average... The average food item has gone up by 20% in recent months. People can't afford it. I had to listen to, because I couldn't stop running and take my armband off of my arm and remove my phone, it broke my heart listening to people phoning BBC Radio 5 Live this morning and honestly, heartfelt, opening their heart and saying just how effing broke they were and that they were driven to the brink of suicide. 
genuine people. Horrible to listen to. So what's going on? Sunak gathered, summoned to this uh, meeting supermarket bosses who are price gouging, by the way. You know, when you go into supermarket, uh, sorry, Sainsbury's or Tesco or Marks and Spencer's or the other one, I can't think of the name of it now, the other one, Waitrose, they're price gouging. They are. They're taking the piss and taking advantage and they're increasing the prices more than their own costs are going up. So their wholesale prices are increasing a little bit, but they're adding on far more than that and they're getting away with it. You can be sure of it. I see it with my own eyes when I go to the supermarkets around Salford. So Sunak said to these people, come in, let's talk about it, what can we do? Let's have a listen to Joe Coburn on BBC Two Today presenting Politics Live. She asks a question of Ben Bradshaw, Conservative Party MP. You will hear him speak, and then you will hear the new statesman writer, Rachel Cunliffe. Joe Coburn first, though. <laughs> um, I mean, Ben, what can be done, if anything at all, to bring down the soaring price of food, which is uh, at about 19% on average? Yeah, and it's a big pressure, and clearly, you know, one of the Prime Minister's key priorities for this year is halving inflation over mm. the course of this year. That's massively important. I think there's a number of factors in this, um, both long and short term. Firstly, it's worth saying we've got a 90 billion pound package of welfare support. I think outside of COVID, probably the biggest welfare package ever in history mm. in terms of supporting people with costs. Uh, but actually, uh, things like improving trade around agriculture, the food strategy talks about uh, how we put farming and agriculture at the, the heart of all that. And back to our immigration um, strategy, actually, we um, release some uh, temporary working visas to be able to come and help uh, get things from, onto shelves, which will help uh, as well, although we need to phase that out uh, over time. So I think the government is you know, working in all sorts of ways to try and support people, but you know, couldn't bring that inflation down is not an overnight fix. Well, no, we've discovered it's still at uh, around 10%. I mean, Rachel, should the government be intervening to try and help uh, consumers with their food bills? I think when you've got a, a, an issue where food poverty is so high and the prices of food inflation is just shot up by that extent, you need the government to keep an eye on what is going on. And actually, what is going on is a really interesting question because, yes, uh, it, food has become more expensive to produce. The price of fertiliser mm. is up, the price energy of labour is up, energy bills, all of that is true. But at the same time, the profit margins of the supermarkets, the price that they well, are paying mm. at the, the, the farmers for the food at wholesale versus the price that they are charging consumers, yep. there is a massive gap between that. And we need to have a conversation about why that is and what we can do about it. When we had the, the energy crisis, there was a windfall tax on oil and gas companies because there was an understanding that while everyone else was suffering, really suffering, it was wasn't right for certain companies to profit from that suffering. Maybe we should be having a similar conversation now about the supermarkets. Well, we can show you the headline. Um, Anna, get you to comment. Bloomberg, soaring UK food prices forces competition watchdog to investigate. Um, the term greedflation has been banded about um, as an accusation that the supermarkets are over-profiting um, from these rising food prices. Anne Whittacombe, former Tory MP and minister who's now with Reform UK, what's going on? Well, I used to represent a rural constituency and even then, you know, and I've been retired 13 years, even then the farmers would complain constantly mm. about the supermarkets, about their demands. Uh, you know, you mustn't have a little scrape on the carrot, it must be a beautiful sort of carrot, about their pricing uh, and they appeared to hold the whip hand and that doesn't appear to have changed. But I wish to make a general comment which is this, that the only way this is going to be tackled is if inflation mm. comes down. You will not get inflation coming down while you have inflationary 
wage rises. And we've got to face that. Some of the wage demands at the moment are utterly unrealistic and they will fuel inflation and we'll be back to where we were. And I lived through the 70s. I'm probably the only one on this panel who did. I lived through the 70s and that was exactly what happened. Prices went up, so people said, we've got to have wage rises to enable us to buy. Uh, and therefore, but it is a catch-22, isn't it, if the cost of living is still going up? What do you do even now, at this point, with rising prices at the rate they are now? Well, typically enough, they don't really get to the heart of this issue. Food is up on average by 20%. So food items, any food item you can think of, has gone up. The average is 20%, right? The UK is not self-sufficient. The UK or Britain only produces 60% of the food it consumes. And that's dropping. And that's madness with fertile land, with a maritime climate. So what is going on? Well, let's hear from a farmer, Jonathan Wilkinson, who is a... Uh, He's a big wig at the National Farmers Union of Wales, or the, the Wales or the Cymru branch of the National Farmers Union, right? And he's a Tory councillor as well for his sins. He's a farmer. He speaks, well, he did speak earlier today to the BBC Wake Up to Money programme. Just listen to this. And we've heard about this on this programme in the past, but this is the first time I've heard this on the BBC. Um, I think it's a recognition of the importance of British uh, UK food security, um, that it's critically important that we can produce uh, not all that we need to eat, but a, a good proportion of it. Um, do, do you not feel that recognition is there at the moment? I'm, I'm not really sure it is. I think I think there's uh, there's some conflict in, in a lot of the sort of policy statements we hear. We're hearing an awful lot about uh, about wilding, uh, about the importance of turning um, the farmland back to nature. Um, it's very difficult to do that and maintain um, productive agriculture. Um, there, there certainly is a place for for uh, you know in, in, in uh, rewilding, but on some of a less productive land. But you know we certainly shouldn't be doing that with our more productive land. And is is that something you know? Not, not, that's not an issue that's come up many times when we've you know talked to farmers as we regularly do. That's because you censored the bejesus out of Mr. BBC man. Farmers are screaming bloody murder about fertile, really good land being decommissioned for wilding. But you and your BBC colleagues, well, you spend morning, noon and night making sure that nobody hears them. This is insanity. Food prices going up... Uh, we can't get food in. We've got a shortage of this and a shortage of that. The prices are going through the roof. Why don't you grow it then? Well, they are decommissioning farmland for rewilding so that we don't create so much CO2 and that we save the planet. Wow. But but for you, that feels like actually, you know, the, the, the concept of rewilding. Can you explain what that might mean for, I don't know, a farm like yours or, or, or nearby? This, this is like 5.30 in the morning, this. I'm the only idiot in the world that was listening to this at 5.30 this morning when I was out with my dogs. There wasn't a producer there to tell Sean, the business guy at BBC Radio 5 Live, don't ask him to expand on what rewilding is, Sean. We don't want people to hear this. Uh, well, there is a distinction between uh, Welsh government policy and uh, the rest of the UK. Uh, agriculture has devolved uh, policy in Wales, so Welsh government in Cardiff actually make a lot of the decisions that affect us in Wales. But but certainly turning land over to uh, to nature, we've been asked to turn 10% of our land over to forestry, another 10% to uh, uh, to increasing sort of habitat. We've been asked to turn 10% of our land. You will be aware of what's gone on in the Netherlands, right? 
what they're doing to farmers there. I don't need to explain what's happening in the Netherlands. We have covered it. They've been asked to turn 10% of their fertile farmland over to rewilding. Just let, just let it grow wild. And 10% to something called natural habitat when there's a food shortage. Um, you know, that's, that's a, a, a sort of blanket policy for the whole of Wales. So that could mean that some very, very productive land in Wales is actually um, required to be taken out of production. And uh, that's contrary to, to what most farmers, you know, believe is the, is the best for their farm and the best for, you know, ensuring that we can supply the food we need in the UK. Yeah. And if they don't go along with it, compulsory purchase orders, tough shit paddy or tough shit taffy. You're, you're pissed off that we're taking 20% of your land and basically destroying your farming business to turn it over to nature so that we don't create so much CO2 and burn down the planet. Tough shit, Taffy. I tell you what, Taffy, tough shit, Paddy. Yeah, that's, that, that's how it's going, basically. There is a little bit more from the farmer, John Wilkinson. We, we don't have a huge amount of very productive land in, uh, in Wales, certainly. And, uh, you know, farmers want to farm and want to grow food and... Uh, you know, that we feel that's and very important. When you talk about the recognition for, you know, those farms and farmers' roles in our food supply chain and the importance of it, if you get that recognition, does that do we have to be honest and say that means higher prices in our shops? I, I, that's a very good question. I think we, we need to be mindful that uh, to ensure a continuity of supply, um, a price will have to be a good price will have to be paid. You know, there's a, there's a danger. I think that we ex- could export some of our food production um, abroad, where perhaps some costs, particularly labour costs, could be cheaper. Um, but whether are less controls over welfare, over over uh, over inputs. Um, so I, I think it's important that we have a core. Um, supply of, of, of agriculture in the UK and, and of course supply of food in the UK uh, where we have more control so um, yeah I think that's mm. that's very important Very 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 important it is a lunatic asylum dear listener isn't it isn't it a lunatic asylum I think it is the time is two minutes past the hour this is the Richie Allen show broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk Fab Radio 2 in Manchester and multiple platforms around the world it's a lunatic asylum. Can't feed the population. Food prices going through the roof. We only produce 60% of our food. What do we do? Let's start closing down farms and rewilding the land. Nutters. Nutters. How can I protect, How can I protect you in this? Mark Boyersky is a great bloke. A really great bloke. And I think he's right when he says that every one of us on this planet even the bad bastards right but forget the bad bastards every one of us is connected energetically he's right that's Aslan and Christy Dignam and Crazy World and Christy Dignam of course has been very unwell very unwell and um, just after I played that song there Jean Ann tells me my friend and, and your friend by the way if you like the Richie Allen show she's your friend wouldn't be here without her um, she tells me that Christie's sister was on the phone to her only a short time ago. We are connected energetically, every one of us, are we or are we not? There's no two ways about it. Christy Dignam is a great Irishman and he's not well at the moment and um, is kind of on the way out and that's a bit sad. Anybody who, most people I know in Waterford 
over the years. We'd have seen Christie with, with Aslan. We'd have seen him with Conor Goff, Dignam and Goff, and anybody who ever met him along the way. He was always lovely, Christy Dignam, but he's still there and he's still battling. So um, good luck to him and to his family. We love Christy Dignam. Lucinda says, anyone who, who, who cries racist or calls somebody a racist just because they complained about the volume of asylum seekers arriving in their country. The person screaming racist, says Lucinda, should have a group of 35 migrants dropped in the house next door to theirs. I think they would change their tune pretty quickly and they would be the first to join the campaigning groups. That's Lucinda. That's a very fair point, Lucinda. And I echo that as well. Hi to David who says they will continue to use the far-right accusation for everything until it kicks off big time with the riots. But maybe you are right. That is maybe what they want, says David. But Diane says maybe not, Richie. The government wants a civil war, in actual fact, says Diane. Then the government doesn't have to get involved. After the Covid nonsense, the Gardaí are already on the wrong side of history and their numbers are down. Morale isn't good at the moment, according to contacts, so they want something with plausible deniability. They want a civil war in Ireland, says Diane. And Diane might very well be right. She is in Ireland, after all. I haven't been home for 20 years. And somebody has posted to the website, I'm not reading out the name, it's a stupid username. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to insult you, but it's a ridiculous name. But somebody has posted, John Waters made a good point about the numbers, where migrants eventually outnumber locals. And it's happening. It's now no longer a question of whether the locals can accept the migrants, but whether or not the migrants should accept the locals. Now that's not true, by the way. Migrants don't outnumber locals in Ireland's cities and towns, not yet anyway. I haven't seen any evidence of that, but maybe it, maybe that will come to pass. And if it comes to pass, I will be the first one to report on it. But I'm not sure it's happened yet. Does anybody want to take me up on that? Uh, Kev came back to say, this will get ugly. I had the Shinners. By Shinners, he means Sinn Féin activists or Sinn Féin canvassers. They came around my house the other day looking for my vote. I was going to erupt, says Kev, but I bit my tongue and shut the door in their face never again. Kev is in Tyrone, border territory. So that's an interesting one, Kev. Steve James asks, what would the Irish revolutionary Michael Collins think of today's EU puppet-run slave nation Ireland? I, I can tell you, in my opinion, Steve, and I can only say in my opinion, who knows what Michael Collins would have done, but in my opinion, he would have led... Well, he would have led a fantastical revolt against it. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Terry says, Richie, to put the other side of it across, there is a far right in Ireland. But I can tell you, there is a feeling like something is going to explode. I'm sick to my back teeth with the amount of legal migrants in Limerick. Limerick is changing beyond recognition. The government and 95% of the politicians are totally against us. When you email them, they either ignore you or call you a fascist. The worst is somebody, and he names somebody, a Sinn Féin TD who has the IQ of a rock. Ah, go on, somebody called Quinlevin, he says there. Mm. And the straight gay from Gary Owen says, Irish, far right, what about Fine Gael, the blue shirts in 1933, 
um, used to be known as the Blue Shirts because of the fascistic associations of their Zen leader and founder, Owen O'Daly. That's right, if you know your history. William says, I think you're bang on, brother. One, look at the world we are currently in. And add to that, the World Economic Forum Global Risks. They talk about state collapse, economic collapse, social collapse and youth disillusionment. They all talk about a predicted pushback against the science. Christine says, Richie, I was thinking yesterday, some homeless people in Ireland should get tents and join the immigrants near the government buildings in Dublin. I wonder if they said they don't speak the good English, what would happen then? It's an interesting one, uh, Christine. And Kelly says, in a hundred years' time, I doubt there will be any native Brits left due to weaponised mass migration. The same is planned for Ireland. Technically, I think this is genocide. What is more evil, what is more evil than erasing native races? If it was an animal that was going to become extinct, we'd never hear the end of it from the fake left. That is Kelly. And Teddy says, Richie, you will never see the changes that are necessary whilst we stay in this capitalist system. Supermarkets are owned by the shareholders. They want their pound of flesh and continuous growth. This in itself is unsustainable, says Teddy. Thank you, Teddy. And uh, thanks, Chris. He says, Richie, a bit of trivia correction. Soul Man was uh, starred C. Thomas Howell. Is that right? I said Rob Lowe, did I? Yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. C. Thomas Howell, who of course starred or was a co-star in E.T., the extraterrestrial. Don't you just wish now that E.T. would come down from heaven <laughs> and take us on a spin in that feckin' spaceship? Collect Drew Barrymore, take us all off to ET country, wherever that happens to be. Uh, the time is coming up now for six minutes past the hour. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Thank you for all of your comments. It's nice to be with you this Tuesday. To be with you, nice. Okay. I'm not going to read this, David. It's too long. It really is too I'll give it a go then. Go on. Uh, the BBC used to have a Sunday evening agricultural-based programme called Country File. It's been replaced with a new programme by the same name, but it should be called Woke File. Now, it reports on how racist rural Britain is and how it doesn't welcome urbanite ethics. Country File now reports on mental health issues affecting anyone struggling to eke out an existence in the rural economy or that of urbanite young people who are prescribed surfing therapy in a futile attempt to undo an education of indoctrination about how racist, how homophobic, how misogynistic Britain really is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Elizabeth, the Dutch person, says 26% of land in the Netherlands is below sea level, and therefore the Dutch are the experts on how to reclaim land. And they've been doing so for a very long time. 18% of land was indeed created there by using reclaiming technology. So, after we removed the mostly family farmers from their centuries-old family farms, shall we just remove our collective finger from the dike and drown that land too? I cry for my old country. You've hit a nerve. Richie, yes, what's gone on in the Netherlands will go on here. It is startling, isn't it? You've got farmers going on national radio saying they are forcibly taking 20% of our land to save the planet while starving the country and driving food prices up so high that other people are taking to the national airwaves to cry. You should have heard the people. Nicky Campbell, who I spent a lot of time lampooning 
on this programme, and who's probably a bit of a dipstick if ever there was one. Campbell was moved himself. He wasn't faking it. Listening to the people phoning him in. People who are in work, but who are fucked. Absolutely fucked. Cannot make the rent. Are kissing the ground with... They're, they're, they're counting their blessings that we are heading into the summer and for a while at least they won't have to worry too much about the gas central heating. It's a lunatic asylum. It really is. It's a terrible trite cliche but that it is. It is a lunatic asylum. Backbeat says, Richie, the modus operandi is simple. Starved him out of existence. It is. Dave came on to say, different Dave. We've had a David, a different David, and a Dave. Dave says, it's profiteering, Richie. Six pounds and 25 pence for a pack of Jacob's Club Milks in super value a few weeks back. You're kidding me. I put them back, Richie, and I boycotted that particular supermarket since. That is outrageous. That's beyond outrageous. Let's talk about Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary. She's claimed that white people, like you and me, I don't imagine I've got too many listeners of colour. Don't know why that is. I'm sure I do have. Maybe I don't. Make your mind up, Paulie. I don't know. I have a fair idea of the age demographics and I know that the gender balance is 53% female, 47% male. I go back to the beginning of the programme. That's because I'm... You got it. Gorgeous. The same way that Mrs H was. Absolutely gorgeous. So she's the Home Secretary and she attended this National Conservatism Conference yesterday. Lots of um, right-wing Tories, if you want to call them that. Jacob Rees-Mogg was there. Nadine Dorries was there. They got there to have a good cry about Boris Johnson and and to talk about multiculturalism and all this shit. They're gaslighting you, you know, because they want you to believe they're on your side. They want, they're saying the right things, you know. They're, 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 they're playing the good mood music. But all they're doing is playing culture wars. They don't give a shit about what's going on in your community. Of course they don't. But she said white people should not be blamed for things that happened before they were born. She said multiculturalism was a recipe for communal disaster. Right? It's gaslighting, it's culture war nonsense. But it did get a laugh today. Because Jonathan Ashworth, Labour Party, he's the shadow work and pension secretary is Jonathan Ashworth. He was on talk TV with Julia Hartley Brewer and she hilariously asked him, Now Jonathan, do you have white guilt? This is good stuff this. If we can hear it. Put up the fader, you big lanky baldy bastard. Hang on. Here's the fader. Jonathan Ashworth, Labour, shadow guy, cabinet, shadow cabinet guy, white guy, as white as me. Do you have any guilt? Do you suffer from white guilt? Do I suffer from what? White. Do I suffer from what? White guilt. He heard, her, he heard her the first time, but he's trying to buy some time. You see, he's a little woke prick, is Jonathan Ashworth, and he doesn't know what to say. How do I answer this? Do I suffer from white guilt? The virtue signalling answer is to say, yes, yes, Julia, yes, I do suffer from white guilt. We have, you know, committed sins in the past, and our ancestors and my great-great-great-grandpappy had a plantation in Jamaica and all of that, but he doesn't know what to say. 
Do you, do you, do you Suella Bravman, in her speech yesterday, uh, said the white population do not exist in a special state of sin. White people should not feel guilty about historic slavery. We should be celebrating Britishness rather than being ashamed of it. Do you agree? Well, look, I, look, look, I love this country. I'm not ashamed of this country. <laughs> I love my country. That's not what she asked you. She asked you, do you suffer from white guilt? So do you, I, don't, I don't know what. Do you I don't think know the white she, people, who, like yourself and myself, should have any should feel any guilt, any responsibility for uh, what's happened uh, in the past? Go on. Uh, no, 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 I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> You're acting as if no one's talked but, about this, Jonathan Ashworth. This has been a major cultural debate on both sides of the Atlantic for for a couple of years now. The pathetic, slimy, toady little bastard just can't speak freely. Uh, it's ridiculous, Julia. Of course I don't suffer from white guilt. Whatever went on in the colonies yesteryear, it had squat to do with me, Julia. So no, I don't have any guilt at all. Next question, please. Should be the response. Well, I, lo I love this country. I love this country. And we should, <coughs> we should teach <coughs> the history of this country. We should teach all aspects of the history of the country, both the great things we've done and the issues which I presume she's talking about, the times when this country was involved in slavery. Of course, we should teach that as well to our school children so everybody knows the history of this country. But I love right. this country. Okay. I'm immensely proud I'm gonna, of it. That's not what she asked you. She asked you, did you have any white guilt, you weasley little bastard? Jonathan Ashworth. They're scum, aren't they? All of them. Angela Rayner was right, you know, but she was wrong. Because it's not just Tory scum. It's not Tory. They're all scum. Every one of them. Sell out scummy bastards. Every one of them have sold out their neighbours, their friends, their families. For what? For a few shillings? For a whiff of fame? To be on television? To be chauffeured around? What were they promised, you know? Most of them, of course, are on some video somewhere filmed by Jeffrey Epstein or somebody like Jeffrey Epstein. Of course, Jeffrey Epstein wasn't all alone in, in compromising elected officials and leaders around the world. They are scum, aren't they? The scum of the earth. They exist to do one thing and one thing only, to sell the agenda, to, to sell somebody else's agenda. It's not even Klaus Schwab. It's not even Bill Gates. It's somebody above them. They're just front people for a murderous depopulation agenda. And they go on radio and tie themselves up in knots with their woke bullshit. White guilt, are you off your head, love? You brought me on here to talk about the cost of living. What do you mean, white guilt? Of course I'm not guilty. Don't give a shit. Didn't, didn't, I could, it's tragic that people were chained and thrown onto boats 200 years ago or 100 years ago, but I had nothing to do with it. So I couldn't give a shit, love, to be honest. You know, if you want to teach that in schools, fair enough. You know, whatever. Leave it up to people. But um, I had nothing to do with it, you know. Reparations. Are you off your... Stop, Richie. Just stop and leave it there. Mike says diesel has come down by 10 pence a litre this week, locally. That should help with prices. But will it be passed on, says Mike. Mark says it's like last orders at the pub when the barmaid is cleaning up around you. They are preparing the earth, the earth even, uh, for us not to be here, I think. Mark, you might want to re retype that to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. And um, because of my insomnia this week, I have little patience now for poorly written messages. Come on, read the message before you press send, dear listener. Nigel says all of this food talk is making me hungry. Martin suggests we watch Jeremy Clarkson's farm series. 
Kay Hanley says, won't need farms when depopulation kicks in. You will eat bugs and you will eat, eat each other, but you will be happy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Paul is in North Holt. How you doing, Paul? The farming thing is by design, he says. We've got to rise up and storm these assholes before too long. But who's we? And are you going to lead the charge, Paul? And I'm, I'm not winding you up. But I get a lot of this on social media. It's time to take these mofos out. Well, go on then. After you. You know? I get a lot of this. Like, you got to take him out. Well, really? Um, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Nigel says he saw Aslan 52 times. 52. Very specific. 52 times. Brendan is in Drogheda. Who, and he says it's time for a revolution, Richie. I'm serious. After you, Brendan. After you. Christopher says, Richie, it could be argued that the only way the deep state in the United States, it, the only way it has of dearming the population is a civil war and then control everything in the aftermath, says Christopher. Maybe. Todd is in New York. Hi, Todd. Long-time listener, he says. Just downloaded the app. First time listening live. God bless you, Richie. Thanks for the broadcast. Todd in New York. Thank you, Todd, in the Big Apple there. Graham and Jackie, way up north. They have their own name for country file. Can't say it on air, though. <laughs> and Todd in New York came back to say the migrant crisis hit home locally here this week. A wedding party and a bunch of veterans were displaced in a local hotel because New York City Town Hall paid a higher price to move the the migrants they can no longer deal with in the city. They sent them upstate to us um, and displaced veterans in a hotel and a wedding party. That's Todd. Thank you, Todd. And these messages are coming in at such a rate I can't continue to read them. I just can't. This app has been a curse. It has made it too easy for you to send me a message. I say that with my tongue firmly in my cheek, by the way. Going to take a tune now. Uh, this time it's Blur and it's Girls and Boys on Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. No, I'm not playing that version. Jesus wept almighty. I'm having some week of it. I'm having some week. Got some really good guests, by the way, coming on the programme tomorrow, Wednesday and, to thir and Thursday. If I remember it in a moment, I'll tell you uh, a bit more about them. It's a chat with me via the website richieallen.co.uk or download the app for the programme, which you can get at the App Store. That's the Apple App Store or Google Play. How about them apples? Yeah. That's the way to contact me. Good to be with you. Tuesday's programme. The time now coming up for 25 minutes past the hour of 6 o'clock. Indeed. Let's take Rufus and Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Rufus and Chaka Khan. Got the Milan derby tonight in the uh, Champions League semi-final. Second leg, interlead 2-0 from leg one. I don't think you're too interested in that. Rufus and Chaka Khan and Ain't Nobody. Thank you, Linda. For the kind words, Joe Public, in answer to your question, the answer is no. Monk has come on to say that wildfires are burning in Alberta at the moment. Local left-wing politicians having a field day pushing the climate change agenda, and that's next, isn't it? You know, people said to me last year, mid-2022, late-2022, I wonder, will they push the COVID or a variant over the winter, Richie? And I said, if you remember, in my opinion, 
I wasn't arrogant about it. I said, I don't think so. I don't think in the winter of 2022 to 2023 that they're going to try and pull restrictions because of a new variant. In fact, I think they're going to drop the COVID thing now. I don't think you're going to hear any more of it. It's going to be full speed ahead climate change. Did you see on social media today, Just Stop Oil activists were out and about in London again, getting in people's way, slowing down traffic. And the the situations are becoming more febrile, are, are they not? Each time this happens, it gets more and more ugly they're filming this, they're putting it on social media, radio stations like Talk TV, ironically, and LBC. Somebody is going to be killed. And I reckon the people driving this agenda, I reckon they want that to happen. That's something that would suit them down to the ground. Somebody is going to be killed. It is toxic now. So you have these young men and women, not so young, they're, they're quite often middle-aged too, and they're going out to disrupt traffic, People are irate already. You think of the mindset of most people. They've been scared shitless because of COVID. I say most people because you and I are not like most people. We're not. You and I knew from the beginning that COVID was bollocks. We knew. When they said in mid-2020, we will have jabs by Christmas, you and I looked at each other and we said, well, we won't be having them. Oh God, no, because we knew better, but the majority didn't. So they have wrung people out. They have scared them. They have stressed them. They have driven them to the brink of bankruptcy. They've turned their lives upside down. They have made the most pleasurable, the most beautiful things to do. They have made them awful and awkward and bureaucratic, haven't they? The things we used to do, pop out to a beer garden, go to a concert. They have wrecked life or they've attempted to. They have made it tedious. They have made it, well, they have made it insufferable in many, many areas. This has had an impact on people's psyche, on their psyches. This has had a real impact on people psychologically. People are worn out now. Now they're going about their business. They are fretting about bills, about money, about prices, about whether or not they can find the money to send the child on that school trip. And they turn a corner and they have these fucking yo-yos standing in the middle of the road, blocking their path, and they have police officers standing idly by, doing nothing about it. Somebody is going to be killed. I hope it doesn't happen, because I am, I, I, I practice what I preach, non-violence. It's not right. And these goons, these yo-yos, as I call them, most of them believe this bullshit. That an atmosphere which is comprised of mostly nitrogen, mostly, 78% or whatever it is, 22, whatever it is, percent oxygen, some other trace gases, and then the atmosphere then, 0.041% CO2. All those gases that make up the atmosphere, CO2 makes up 0.041%. Let me explain that in a way I explained it last week. One 25th of 1% of the atmosphere is CO2. 1 25th of 1%. A couple of thousand years ago, there was far more CO2 in the atmosphere and that predated the Industrial Revolution. 
But these idiots believe it. They believe that our existence alone, that is human existence, our living and breathing is contributing to what they call climate catastrophe. So those yo-yos are out there because they truly believe what it is they are saying. Behind them are people who have been driven to desperation by the policies of their governments. Driven to distraction, driven to the point of extinction. No pun intended because they don't have any money. And we see these you know, these confrontations becoming more and more ugly and dangerous as time goes on. And it got very ugly and very dangerous in London this morning. Someone's going to be killed. CO2 and, and that nonsense and climate change and climate catastrophe and extinction, that's going to be where they'll put most of their eggs, I believe. They with a capital T. Who are they? I don't know. We know who the front men, the foot soldiers are. We know them. We know them. We know who they are. We see them. Tony Blair, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab. But they're front men. It's not their idea. It's not their agenda. It's somebody else's agenda. And at the end of that road lies abject misery. Pure misery. Misery that's unimaginable even now. If it isn't stopped. That's where they're going with it. There's no doubt about that. You know. And I came to that conclusion by myself. I wasn't um, cajoled or coerced or brainwashed into thinking that you know, I rejected that for a long time I didn't want to believe it but you can't ignore it now it's in your face on the price increases Wayne came on to say hi Wayne he says Richie now the, the, the media will tell you here that on average so food stuffs well that's a big that's a broad kind of spectrum isn't it food stuffs it's, it's a lot of things right Dairy, meat, fruit and veg, blah, blah, blah. Um, the stuff that you don't really need as well is in there, you know, chocolatey stuff and what have you. When I say you don't really need it, you eat what you want. Of course, I eat chocolate from time to time. But they will tell you that on average, things have gone up 20%. Wayne thinks this is disingenuous because in his experience, he does a big shop mainly from the basic ranges and then buys fresh items when they are reduced. And Wayne says, his experience, the prices for lower priced items have doubled in many cases. And he says, this is because they have much smaller profit margins to begin with. Tesco noodles were 15 pence about two years ago, but they're now 35 pence. Tesco's tomato sauce was 50 pence a year ago, but now it's a pound. And this is similar in other supermarkets. So in, in, in this instance, Wayne says... You know, that's basically 100% or in the case of the noodles, a 200% markup or 110% markup. Yeah. So he says many reasons, rewilding, farm closures, warehouse closures, driver shortages, fuel prices due to the policies for COVID, Ukraine and climate change. Nothing will change until the causes are removed. But I think, I fear, because I don't have any proof of this, I fear that the great majority of the population believes the climate catastrophe and that if things are not changed by 2030, if we don't stop manufacturing diesel and petrol cars, if we don't use heat pumps which don't work, thereby condemning old people to freeze their tits off in winter and die, if we don't get rid of gas boilers and bring in heat pumps, which will kill people um, and will make people very sick, people with respiratory problems who need to have their homes appropriately heated in the winter. All these things. People believe this shit, you see. They believe it. 
It's astonishing. The power of the television. The power of that box. The power of social media. They believe it. It's happening. They'll tell you if you ask them. It is happening. Follow the science. You're a liar. Uh, you're 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 in the you're in the pay of I'm not in the pay of anybody by the way I'm in the pay of you or or those of you who support the program you are in the pay of big oil and gas I'm not really no no I used to be a lefty I used to support this bullshit agenda I used to believe it myself but it's bullshit you know but they uh, they believe it Fallingford hook line and sinker so they have hi to Bobski who says they do want anarchy. I do want anarchy. Or they want anarchy. The elite want anarchy. It fulfills so much uh, of their agenda. It um, progresses their agenda, he says. And then he says he loves the show and the listeners. And whether we agree or not, I respect an open mind so much more nowadays. Well, that's good. I've always respected the opinions of others. Always. I didn't need to have my own road to Damascus conversion there, you see. I've always respected the opinions of people who see things differently than I do. This is why I've ranted so many times about that on this programme. You know? Yeah. Sean says, Richie, these Extinction Rebellion Just Stop Oil Nut Jobs seem to have an almost messianic complex. I'm convinced they want one of their own to eventually be martyred for the cause, maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Neil says, Freeland, uh, the deputy deputy PM of Canada, is openly talking about bail-ins, according to a video clip made by an independent content creator. It could be a deep fake, of course, says Neil. And this is going to be an increasing problem with technology like deep fake technology and artificial intelligence technology. The elites will use deep fakes to gaslight those of us who get our information from the independent media. They are going to set up independent content creators using deep fakes to make it look like they are um, tending towards clickbait. So they'll put stuff out there, you know, claiming that it's come from a truther, say, um, but it hasn't really come from the truth, or it's actually a deep fake, and they'll do that to discredit the independent media. I have no doubt about that. Um, I doubt the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada is openly talking about bail-ins at the moment. I doubt it. But it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I believe bail-ins are a definite thing of the future. I have no doubt in my mind. Do you remember? You won't remember. So many of our listeners are relatively... New to this, I think, from, from from my perspective anyway. But Ed Conway, who is the economics editor for Sky News, who writes for the Times newspaper back in 2020, in mid-2020, so we're talking three years ago, he advocated for bail-ins. The bastard. Advocated for them. A journalist. He said the government could do it without any warning. Why was he talking about bail-ins? Well, he was talking about the cost of the the cost of COVID, basically. The cost of telling people to close their businesses and then paying for it by borrowing. Right? He said, well, what they could do in the future is have a bail-in. And they could do it without warning. They could do it overnight so that people didn't have any inclination it was going to happen. I called him out on this and he blocked me on social media. 
I said, what sort of a journalist are you, you prick? Advocating that the government steals people's money. It's their hard-earned savings. You know, because they um, borrowed billions to pay people not to go to work during COVID. Yes, it's Conway, let's let's have a bail-in. Yes, let's bail-in. Let's take people's money in the dead of night without warning them. Fascist. I mean, what, what, what else do you call a guy like that? Other than he's a fascist. A creep, at, at the very least. Yeah, let's have a bail-in. Uh, that's one way we could solve our fiscal problems. Just steal money from people. How lovely. What a lovely idea. Wasn't volunteering any of his own money, was Conway. And thanks to Dawn. Hi, Dawn. Thanks for your kind words. Susan says, I read them by um, Whitley Strieber. Uh, it's a very good book, she says, um, and you did a good interview with him. But she finds it sad, does Susan, that Whitley Strieber believes in climate change. I think his attitude towards climate change might be changing, not to, you know, to, to put it that way, uh, Dawn. But um, yeah, Don says, us old folks don't believe the climate change shite. And Anton says, even if they do believe it, these activists, how will they react when these spiralling costs slash taxes affect them so much that they cannot afford to pay for their rent or food? Will they change their tune then? Yes. I don't know is the answer to that. This is Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. I'm Richie Allen. This is Robin S. and Show Me Love. Because I'm in a kind of a 90s frame of mind today on the programme. It's uh, 17 minutes, by the way, to the top of the hour. Robin S and Show Me Love. Joe is right to say on the website, thanks Joe, that bail-ins will become commonplace when CBDCs are introduced, in my opinion, says Joe. I share that opinion, Joe. When the digital pound, when central bank digital currencies are here, and they are kind of here already, because most people these days don't use cash, so they're kind of here already. When cash is gone, it will make it so easy for a bail-in. And as Ed Conway said, the Sky News financial editor, um, economics editor, when he, when he said three years ago, they can do it overnight, they won't need to do it overnight. They can do it whenever they want to do it. Because there isn't very much you can do with your money when your money exists as digits in a computer somewhere. You're absolutely bang on. Uh, Elizabeth asked about Paul and Nick Ripley's AI podcast. It is called The Future Was Yesterday. Look for it and look for Nick Ripley. So The Future Was Yesterday, Nick Ripley. It's on Spotify and iTunes. It's very good. There are two episodes available to listen to right now. And it's a very well put together uh, podcast. Ewan has been on the website. Hi, Ewan. With regards to white guilt, Richie, how far back can we go with wrongs that were committed by white people? He says, implying this train of thought, I should be outraged at English people for the actions of the English after the Battle of Culloden with the Culloden after the genocide of the Jacobites and the Highland clearances. But I wasn't there and neither were any English people who are alive today. Well, yeah, equally, I've said this on the show, you know, Irish people could say, well, let's go back now, three or four generations. My family had to leave Ireland because of 
um, the famine. And of course, we, we, we get told this fairy tale in Ireland in school about the potato blight and the failure of the potato crop. But that's one of the greatest lies ever told in my country by the education system. We didn't starve in Ireland and have to flee the country because of the potato blight, because foodstuffs were confiscated, crops were confiscated from every farm in Ireland and sent to the ports to British army ships and merchant ships to feed people in the colonies. You know, that, that, that's what happened. I've given a very cliffed note version of that there, but it's true. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Susan is listening to the programme in Washington State and listens every day. Thank you, Susan. You're very kind. This programme, it spreads its wings far and wide. And Darren was interested in Robin S. Blimey, that song brings back memories of the 90s, dancing on a lager-drenched nightclub dance floor at the end of the pier. I think I've been channeling those times with my musical choices this evening, when things were better. Do nightclubs exist? Do nightclub exists? Do they exist nightclubs anymore? They must do. Where you can go and listen to... Um, um, do nightclubs exist for people of a certain age, like people in their 30s, people in their 40s? Are there places you can go and listen to the music of your generation? I wonder. I have no idea. Marion says, was in a pub today in London, and the barman told me, says Marion, that the Green King pubs will be cashless by January of next year. Is that right? Green King pubs. Green King, of course, great pubs, great ale. Uh, they make great ales, does Green King, the brewery. Pubs will be going cashless in January 2024, says Marion. Um, London was empty today around Bart's Smithfield uh, Market by Bart's slash Smithfield, Smithfield Market. Can't say it. Uh, Sadiq Khan is doing a great job in killing off London, says Marion. And Charlie Burton has been on to say you should listen to a different mix of that song. Thank you, Charlie. It is Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. Just me and you today. No harm in that today at all. Thank you for your messages. I appreciate them when they come in via the website or via the brand new app. Uh, there is a WhatsApp for the programme now, WhatsApp telephone number. It is on the website. It's been posted to the website. Do, if you have WhatsApp on your mobile phone, your smartphone, sadly, do connect to the programme. And when it is when, when it is open during a phone-in, do consider phoning in the programme to have a chat with me. It's eight minutes to the top of the hour. Mentioned a bit earlier on that the inventor of um, ChatGPT, uh, the chief executive of OpenAI, a guy called Sam Atman, he's been... He has been questioned this morning by a congressional committee, or has he? Is it the Senate? I can't make. I can't. I can't figure. I think it's U.S. Congress. Yeah, they've been asking him about um, the dangers of Chat GPT and artificial intelligence. I don't um, believe much has come out of that today. Uh, this guy himself has said that the government does need to regulate AI as it becomes increasingly powerful, but. Um, what does that mean? Regulated how? Uh, you know, have, have, have you got thoughts on this? Dear listener, I just don't know myself. We'll be talking about it increasingly as time goes on on the Richie Allen Show. In fact, next week, a gentleman called Sean Walsh, who wrote a very interesting article for the Conservative Woman, 
and reached out to me is going to come on the programme to talk about artificial intelligence. Sean is not so worried about consciousness, about the singularity, that point where the artificial intelligence programme becomes self-aware and begins acting autonomously. Sean doesn't think we're anywhere near that and he makes a very powerful argument as to why he thinks so. So he's going to come on the programme to talk about that next week. Um, who have we got on the programme tomorrow? Let me bring it up for you. S- Sarah Habubi will be on the programme tomorrow. And I do have guests booked in for Thursday. But as usual, I can't tell you who they are right now because my diary isn't so close to hand. Yes, OK. And just to remind you, I said this at the very beginning, if... It interests you. It might not interest you in the slightest. But by next week, the programme will be in vision for those who might like to watch it as it goes on. Again, this is not me in any way playing modesty. I'm not playing modesty, playing the modesty card. I don't know why you'd want to do that. The shots won't be exciting. There will be a wide shot of the studio. There will be a shot of my big baldy head. And you'll have your stereo sound. You'll hear everything in glorious stereo but I don't know why you'd want to do that. It'll be on Rumble, and it might very well be on Twitter, at least for as long as they allow that. But um, I'll give you all the details of that next week, or over the weekend, this weekend coming. And uh, yeah, it's just another thing. We're constantly evolving, aren't we? Uh, this radio programme, constantly evolving, in terms of um, adding little strings to our bow. So that might excite you, that might not. Some of you are saying yes. My plan is to give it a go, and if after a week or two it isn't, you know, it isn't hitting, people are not taking it up, it isn't getting many viewers, I will discontinue it, go back to audio, and, um, and sell the cameras and all of the gear. So there you go. Do support the programme if you can. Go to richieallen.co.uk where it says support your show. You can do that via Patreon or via the bank account details. Um, it's expensive to put this programme on every month. It's very expensive. I very rarely ask for help. So please support the programme if you can. Okay. And Sean, by the way, who I mentioned, who's got that article on the conservative woman, he's been listening and he's just said he's looking forward to Monday. Um, A bit nervous. No need to be nervous. He's a very good writer, is Sean. Do read his article. Go over to the conservative woman. Look for the most recent article on artificial intelligence. It's a very good read. And we'll talk about that and more with Sean next Monday. That's it for Thursday's programme. Thank you for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow, you and I, at 5 o'clock UK time for Wednesday's programme. Until then, Sloan Tomlin. Bye now.